Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and once again, I'm joined by Michael Danis. How's it going, Mike? It's go, going fantastic, Dennis. You're not a artificial intelligence, are you? No. Are, no. Are, are you sure? Because, you know, I don't see you often, actually, in real life. You could be just <laughs> an AI that sounds... Just, just a voice... Just yeah. a voice in your ear. That's right. Just a voice. That's uh, what I think you probably might be. I mean, a really well done operating system. So it's hard to tell. Right. It's hard right. to tell. I mean, every time you disagree with me, clearly you are. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> let's um, let's kick off and talk about this week's Star Trek Discovery. Hey, yeah, I like that show. Um. I did. You know what? You know what my favorite part about this week's was? Hmm. It did not have Lieutenant no Klingons, no Klingons, and Lieutenant Love Interest. Yes, nice, my, nice. My favorite part. There was no, you know, Batleths, no <laughs> Birds of Prey. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. What, what did you think? Did you like it? I did, I got to say, I loved it. What, what did you think? Uh, it was really good. It, um, you know, I had, I had moments where, um, I, so I watched this today in, in the middle of the day during my, my long lunch break. And I have a hard time watching stuff at my computer, uh, because, because I'm at the computer, I feel like I should be doing something. Yeah, right. I get that. And so I'll, I'll very often like multitask or something. And I was like, ah, can I put on something? And then as the story went on, it would just stayed really compelling yeah this is not um, a show i could do that with i mean discovery I, I enjoy discovery so much that i i want to carve out time that i'm going to sit down in an environment to watch it yeah and i normally do that too i've just um you know thanks to playing factorio with aaron i get to bed fairly late and so when i when i get into bed with my ipad i'm like do i want to do i want to start a whole episode of discovery now not really oh no I'll you just yeah. watch Watch a half hour or something and then go to bed. I mean, I, I've um, literally gone to bed, I'm going to say early, but for me early is like 11. Um, gone to bed early to just know that I want to sit down in my room and watch, I want to watch this. You know, whereas I would stay up till midnight, at least usually, and before I go into bed. Um, so, yeah, I get it. You want to sit down and pay attention to it, right? And you watched it during the yeah. day during your work, so you didn't get a yep. focus. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, just the the thing, the thing with the planet, like the the actual main story, not planet, but the alien the entity thing is the sphere is much less interesting than um, than all the other stuff going on. The, the more details on Saru and yeah. his people and his experience that was uh, when he was uh, so. Anybody who listens to this show, we spoil everything. But if you're not caught up on Star Trek Discovery and you don't want to be spoiled, skip this chapter. Just go on. To, we'll talk about her. Yeah. Um, when when there was, you know, the real expectation that Saru was going to die, um, it, it you know, was kind of moving. It was a little sad. I got a little choked up. Yeah. Like, I, you know, this character is creepy looking, but after seeing that, that short trek over you know the winter i guess we're still in the winter but before this in the between in the off season um and understanding who he is and his and his personal journey um 
I was like, I can't, uh, you know, it's it's sad, you know. I don't want him to die. Which which is a lot, uh, saying a lot, because that, I it, we can go back in the analogs of this show and see how he was the one guy who creeped you out, right? Well, yeah, and that's always been true. But even just for his writing, for his character, early in the show, he's very antagonistic. Yeah, right. He doesn't he doesn't trust Michael. He doesn't think she should be given a second shot. Yeah. Um, it's the classic kind of, you know, very responsible, well-behaved, overachieving person um, being uh, distrustful and, and what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of envious of, of, the, of the redemption, adversarial to the redemption character. Yeah. Right? It's... Um, you know, it's it goes all the way back to the prodigal son. I, I, right? I, by the way, if this was a real life thing, I would be the Saru. Like, I would be the guy that's right. like, I don't care what you've gone through. <laughs> I've worked yeah. my ass here, and yeah, right, right, right. Like, why should you be given a chance? Why would you? Why should you be given another chance when I've never screwed up? Yeah, yeah, that, right? that's me. Um, yeah, the, I've never started a war with the Klingons, the, the, <laughs> exactly. and I've never betrayed my captain over a stupid thing. Um, all right, I, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, talk, I want to. I want to talk about this episode, but on on a broader scale, there's so much of discovery that's going to be. I know we're going to look back on this show, and this is definitely already shaping up to be one of my future watches all the time. Of of how how characters evolve and how important they are, and I think that Saru is going to be one of those characters that you're like, wow, this guy is just. I I want to. I want to rewatch episodes and every episode I'm going to pay attention to Saru and the actor <laughs> and the things he says because they, they matter. Everything he says kind of matters to the character, which is true. I mean, yeah, the, the actor portrays him even in the most smallest scenes as, as Saru, like who is sitting in the chair and acts a certain way and takes command a certain way. He even will touch his threat ganglia when he's like in the chair, knowing that he's fighting that off. And you're like, oh, he's, he's yeah, he's just such a good actor and a good it's this, role. It's like it's like an advanced form of nervous tick. So let me ask you, uh, because I'm drawing a blank on this. Can you think of another property that has used this concept of this sort of cultural? mythology or assumption there's like uh they do this in game of thrones where you know uh daenerys's uh handmaids or servants will say it is known okay right there's like in a in a primitive culture there are these things that everyone believes right yeah um and saru gives that whole explanation he's like we get to this point and either either this kills us or the whatever come and take us yeah um, and then, and then he doesn't die. And so it's like their whole culture is built on this lie. Um, which, which is a little far fetched, just a little bit, but I, I'm willing to suspend disbelief there because if there's millions of people on the planet, one of them is going to be like, screw you, I'm running off and then completely like be okay. I think, I think maybe the implication is that they would die normally on their planet the the fever and everything would kill them he survives through it because he's on a starship with modern medicine maybe maybe They'd... i i i think is that implication and so it's like that's ma- maybe i i, 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 I might be that. projecting that a little bit but um 
and it could be that whatever the whatever that alien is always takes them and so they never find out you, you know um, I, I gotta say for a half a minute there i was almost hopeful that they'd kill saru not because it, it would break my he heart that he would but but it would it would legitimize the show as as a show that is not gonna pull punches afraid is not yeah, afraid yeah. And and that would be a, such a massive, massive change at a character's and actor's height to axe them from a show in a dramatic moment, right? I mean, they killed Tasha. Uh, what season one when the show was terrible, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah, still, and she wasn't really like she was not she true. wasn't she was not that great. She no, not, that's true. Yeah, she was and, not and this show has killed Lorca. But he was the bad guy. He was so. the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. He at that point he had finished his arc. This would be like a not finished arc type thing. So so I'm glad they didn't. I, I want and I want to know more about Saru. They killed the good. They killed the good Georgia. Oh, they they also killed the doctor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my bad. Not holding back things from <laughs> from discovery. That... Anyway, yeah. As that as that turned out, it was not them killing off Saru. It was them advancing the kelpian story arc yeah what, you're like what, oh okay now just like you said when we talked about the short track like now he has motivation to violate general order one prime directive and and save his people yeah which which is yeah it's gonna be great i mean that that'll that'll harken this we talked about we hoped that these short tracks would matter right i mean i you know, I talked about this again, you know, because of the Saru thing. Like, I'm going to go back to that short track. Like, they they call back to that a little bit. So even if you didn't see it, um, you would still get some of it. But it's like he's he's kept a, a journal, a log of, a personal log of everything that he's done and experienced in Starfleet. And he knows that, you know, when he's when he thinks that he's going to die, he knows that it's probably hundreds of years before his race becomes advanced enough to, um, to achieve first contact, to be, to be, um, um, qualified for first contact. But he, you know, he takes that responsibility on himself to, to create that chronicle so that, he is remembered and so that his people know that despite their um their dark ages their biologic well that and their and their biological um um whatever they're like deficiencies fear their fear that like their whole um physiological thing is 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 designed around being prey and around being afraid that he overcame that and yep that they can too yeah well, um, it's just really what a great character um, right i mean yeah, yeah yeah just just so i mean it's so it's 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 the best that sci-fi can be when it does stuff like that well that, that's that's the thing is that this this episode in many ways which i want to get to like my favorite part of the episode is that she just illustrates it the silly stuff it, it's the it's the talking stuff um is that um Star Trek, they have not told all the Star Trek stories. 
Like there are right. so many other Star Trek stories. This this is my argument for why we needed more Star Wars movies, why we need more Star Trek shows, why why we need more Spider Mans and anything like that. Because people say, oh, anyone who says they've already done that before, why would they do that again? Right? Mm-hmm. It really, really sticks in my craw. I mean, it really does because like there is a million stories you can tell about a million things with different characters and, and a life life. I mean, my life, I don't think is terribly compelling, but who knows? It could be to some people. And, and it's, and it's, <laughs> uh, it's 44 years of my life that it would t- take to tell my entire story. And, and that's just right. one person. So all of these people living these extraordinary situations in the world of Harry Potter have a completely massive lifetimes and generations of stories that you could tell. Um, so anyway, right. this one is example of, you know, look, there's there's always more stories to tell in this kind of universe. General Order 1, the idea of, you know, that we can't have contact, but you know what? Maybe one special person we can take away and live life in the stars, right? Even mm-hmm. if they're not. Um no, my my favorite part again, a new Star Trek, tell me if I'm wrong on this cuz I think I'm not, but a new Star Trek story that's unique to this is that the universal translator thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's that, that we all, that they speak and they say words and a computer interprets it. And then everybody else hears it in a, a their own language. Um, right. And it starts off with that alien fish guy, not pointing out that he doesn't understand his clicks, right. And he's speaking a little bit differently. Which was neat. Mm-hmm. That was, that right there was enough for me to say that's cool. They they did a universal translator. That's thing. a little bit of a like, like it's done in a sly enough way that if you are a Trekkie, right? If you're familiar with the mm-hmm. the world of Star Trek, you already know about the universal translator. Yeah, if but but it's always if, in the if, background, right? Right. If this is the first show you've seen somehow, and you've never seen any other Star Trek, um. You're not going to know about the Universal Translator. Yeah, and so and so they're drawing attention to it with that, so that they can have it be completely broken in the next scene, yeah. and and you understand why that is. Universal Translator is on the the short list of things where like they made up a fictional technology in the show to explain the technical limitations of filmmaking at the time right right right. like they have artificial gravity to explain the fact that they cannot make a tv show where everyone's floating around (laughs) exactly right as in the 60s for sure when like we hadn't even been to space yet um they have inertial dampeners to explain away the fact that they're not all just getting crushed against the bulkhead when the ship accelerates goes into warp right uh goes into warp or whatever um the and a a lot of sci-fi shows explain that by doing the battlestar galactica thing where the the ship doesn't physically move i mean there's no inertia it's just like a point to point um yeah the 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 warp gate wormhole thing though those are those are the three big ones and you you probably don't want to think too hard about how 
uh, matter replicators work. Right. Well, um, well, well, you know, in, in, the, in all of the Star Trek series, at some point, in one episode at least, they'll, they'll mention the universal translator. Matter of fact, in Enterprise, the, the show Enterprise, they had Hoshi, which was her whole thing was that they hadn't made the universal translator yet. Right. And she was in, she was helping create the universal translator. Um, so that, that was a neat kind of thing that that series did. Um, but any, there's an, always an episode in at least one of these series where they, they mention that like, uh, they'll meet a, usually first contact or some kind of thing. Well, somebody will say, how come you can speak our language? And then they say, Oh, the universal translator X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and and that's that that's for the audience's benefit to say this is a thing we've established it move on and then we're going to have 700 more episodes and never talk about it again and anybody right. ever asks you well why do they speak english you'd be like oh because then this one said it you know you just weren't there buddy yeah um, so, there's a there's yeah. a next generation episode i can't remember which where they are they're like interviewing somebody to be like replacement first officer or something and they keep mentioning how many languages he speaks mm-hmm. and the, I, I read it i read about it in the in the books those nitpickers guides i don't know if you ever <laughs> read any of those but the guy was like they have universal translators why does it matter if he can speak 30 languages right. this, this doesn't make any sense um and obviously in this in this episode it did yeah right like saru learned 95 languages mm-hmm. right so bringing it back around to that like what a cool, neat thing where the universal translator breaks and starts going off its axis and translating different people's things into different languages. Uh, and even, not only that, I loved that they brought in the concept that it also translates the keyboards. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is everything is translated to just to just remove language barrier. Yeah, totally. And and they're like, I don't know how to steer the ship because it's in like ancient Egypt or you know some Latin or something. Like, wow, that's, um, that's really neat. Yeah. And so one of the other things I noticed is they're starting to uh, uh, dial back the technology. Oh, right? yeah. Like I, I, I speculated that, that it was gonna, it was maybe going to be a, a BSG, a Battlestar kind of thing. Um, they're like, oh, we have – I didn't even notice – that they have holographic communicators until until he said it, yeah. Until I mean, he points it out. It's, you know, the, the admiral or whatever Command, calls him on yeah. it, like uh-huh. a, an episode or two a couple weeks ago. He's like, "Oh, you know, you want to use a view screen just like my grandma," uh-huh. and uh, right, right, right. And Pike's uh, like, "We should just use view screens like real people do," or something. Like, what was really wrong like, with them? It's it's crashing the thing. We're going to use just view screens, yeah. Like so, that was such a great little. Th- I mean, I, I can I say I love Pike. I hope that they don't do some Lorca thing with this guy. Like <laughs> I love I, Pike. I don't. I don't think they will. And I, and I love the the conflict when um when Michael and Saru come to the bridge and they say, you know, the aliens not you know not evil like they have this theory and they can't like their their lives the whole crew is at stake their lives are at stake yep and he's about to fire on it and they're like no don't fire on it and they have this intense like um you know confrontation over it which is not something that next generation would ever do right, right? The because there were 
there was never personal conflict right. on the Starship Enterprise. Right. Um, and yeah, it's like it's like it's the first time I noticed uh, um, Captain Pike doing something that I thought of as a mistake. I was like, oh, he's no, he's going to attack him. He's he's going to fire on him, which makes sense. Like yeah. all the information he has tells him that they're aggressive and that it's aggressive and he should fire on it. But I mean, he he yeah. does that whole thing where he tells that the, the the person at the comms, he says, you know, if this doesn't go right, eject the warp core and blow that thing to hell. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, I, here's something I want to point out. And, and it just makes me overjoyed for Star Trek even saying this, is that <laughs> I wish that the writers, I don't know if it's multiple writers or just a few, um, need super credit for the work they're doing here. Um, because they have successfully successfully made a Star Trek show that has not centered around a captain or a commander. Like, there is everyone before has one thing because that's the formula right you have you have voyager you have um uh, kate mulgrew you have cisco um you have everyone that's some kind of in charge because it's the way the military works and they've literally made i don't say military but you know the the federation they've made a show where starfleet starfleet i mean it is it is the military yeah you're right right They, they have made a show where we have a transitionary captain all the time. Like mm. Lorca was, yes, the commander of Discovery, but that it was for the first couple episodes, it was Giorgio was our main captain person. And, right. You know, and then Michael Burnham is is kind of the main character. And then we transition to Lorca, but then halfway through the season, Lorca's a bad guy. So never have we had like a state. And that was, I yeah, think some people were saying that was a, a criticism of the first season. We don't have a stable captain, but then it becomes this great thing. And Pike fits perfectly. Yeah, because classic classic Star Trek was always an ensemble cast. Yes, always. The, yes. the main character is the ship. Yeah. But the, like, if there's, if there is a main character person, it's always the captain. Mm-hmm. The captain talks at the beginning. The captain, narr- like up until Voyager and Deep Space Nine, the captain narrates the intro. Well, uh, next generation. So had for a few the first two shows, so, next next generation had a few of that. Like Riker said a couple things of captain's logs. Yeah, he said like first log, officers log, supplemental. Right, stuff. but but Patrick Stewart does the, the space of final. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yes, thing. yes, yes. Right, so you're like, this is the guy. This is the man with a capital m yeah and but then you know you'll have a whole episode of deep space or of um next generation that's like one one story about Worf and alexander in the holodeck and another story about Geordi and data you know getting into some shenanigans in engineering and like you'll barely see picard for a whole episode yeah because it's really about all of these people it, it is it's ensemble and, cast has always been star trek and the movies, the um, Abrams movies, are much more like Kirk. Like it's just it's just Kirk. Like there are other people doing other things, and you see them, but it's really all it's it's still all about Kirk. Yeah, they they really heavily focused on. It. I mean, they, I think that was a conscious decision, right? They they wanted it to be Kirk and Spock. Sure, sure. And this, yeah, is really like 
in the first season, it was very much Michael. Mm-hmm. And she's still very prominent, very important in season two. But we're getting more of that ensemble sort of thing where we'll get more um, Tilly and Stamets, buddy cop. Um, also, I'm, I was I was glad that uh, that Tig is back. What's her character? Oh name? my gosh, is that the engineered lady doctor yeah. thing? Oh, she is my favorite. I hope she stays <laughs> She's forever. So funny. <laughs> Man, I want her to stay forever on this show. I swear. He's like, oh, she, he's she's like this and this, and she's she's that, and she's like, I could fix that analogy with duct tape too. <laughs> every every time, <laughs> what sick a, burns. I mean, nonstop. Wh- what a great like foil to Stamets. Like that is so perfect, and, and she does not. She does not give a an F like at all, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. which was, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just smiling. I wish you could see the video right now, <laughs> ear to ear, because when when I like I loved her when she came and they discovered her. And I thought, oh right. man, what a what a great do- new doctor if she's going to be a doctor because she's an engineer, right? Right. Um, and and then they have her in this episode. I'm like, oh, freaking yes. Um, and then she just plays it. So she's one of the few celebrities that I think I would follow on Facebook. Like I would, because she was mm. so, she's just so good. And the actress is, plays it perfectly. Like, right. She knows this character. She knows this person and she knows what they, she wants them to be. Uh, by the way, they drilled Tilly. Talk about, <laughs> talk about like a hard moment that they just breezed he by says, real quick. He says, you need to sterilize that drill bit, and I think I think I physically shuddered. I know. Like, I what? I've used drills many times. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to put a real like physical drill bit to her head. Tell they me do. that's not a thing. And they did, and and he 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 talks sweetly to her. Right, right. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my God, they're doing this thing. Granted, he just drills real quickly, but wow, like that was. Yeah, the, the, that episode was fantastic from start to finish and just continued to, to push the, the series along and characters along. Uh, yeah, the only reason I say I didn't love the alien entity thing is that it it does a thing that this show is not afraid to do that the classic shows would have never done where they do a big thing, right? Like... They suddenly obtained ten thousand years worth of mm-hmm. historical data for the Federation or whatever. Like right. because they're set in the past, I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? Um, it's it's you know the thing where they're constrained by the continuity. Where the old shows were so episodic that like nothing major could ever happen. Well, like, they do say if, it'll take it'll take the archaeologists hundreds of years to go through this stuff and understand it. Sure. Sure. But like, you know, Captain Kirk has to be able to go through uh City on the Edge of Forever. He has to go back to the 30s Earth and and let a woman die to prevent Hitler from winning World War II and he has to be cool. He has to be fine. Yeah. Next week. Right. Um, you know, Picard has to almost die uh, looking for his saddle, doing Die Hard on a starship, and yeah. just be normal Picard again at the end of the episode. Or that's a bad example. He has to, like, get kidnapped and tortured and be shown four lights and yeah. or live a whole life in a probe 
and and be cool the next episode or Jordy gets brainwashed and like the, so many times that happens real quickly um, in the defense of next generation they they do call back to uh, several times to Picard's Borg experience that's true that's true because that's too big like you can't ignore that they, they did a big thing and they actually stuck to it right right well yeah so so this show does do that and and it, it has that you know what Man, I just thought of it as I was sitting here. This is like <laughs> this is like playing D and D. They're they're writing this like D and D campaign. Like it's a campaign, or at least how mm-hmm. I've always run D and D campaigns is that w- when I outline it, I have where we're going for the most part because players can left. You know, I'll do five episodes out of you know twenty that I know kind of where you want to go. Um, okay, but but you have a, a general outline of where you want to go. Um, but this episode takes place in this dungeon with this adventure and this thing. And we're telling this mini story. And all we know is that I have to sprinkle in things that matter to the big to the big plot. But this week is just this story. And I have to add in those little extra stuff. And that's what this the, uh, Discovery does. It, it, yeah, there's parts of what... Spock that matters. Their little journey with the Red Angel is important. And this is furthering that. But this week is still episodic, kind of, right? Yeah, it's it's some, um, and that's um, I know you haven't listened to this, but the Adventure Zone, mm-hmm. um, at least in their first uh, Bureau of Balance arc, uh, in one of their like out of character uh, Q and A episodes, uh, the brother who is the DM says, you know he he has planned the big arc, the like what we would call the season arc, though it took them like four years. Um, and then each individual story, he kind of lets play out depending on what his players do. Um, and so that's, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, I don't, I don't know how common that is. That's sort of what most, like if you watch an episodic show now, like a, like a detective drama or something. There's usually some like slow burn relationship or something that's Good happening shows. in bits and pieces in between the um the case of the week. Yeah, I mean right? that, that because, that's the, because all that's those the shows are case shows. of the week. Yeah, the good shows yeah. have that. The ones that are like, there's this extra line and when and you know what? Sometimes when I watch those shows and you uh don't have any kind of thing at all you feel like eh, it was a fine episode. It just was not thing that did sure. more for me this week, right? Because you sure. want you want to see the Ross Rachel thing happen type, <laughs> type thing. Um, I, I'll I'll put a little example of back to my D and D things. We, we had one one. I don't want to go too deep here, but in the arc of the campaign, I knew that there was I was I had many. This was a two year campaign, and we were like about one year into it, and and I knew at some point during in the future, I wanted to have one two or maybe three people within the party become the antagonists and become the bad guys that was that was a goal that i wanted to have so we did a a dungeon crawl one time it was just a dungeon crawl week where we were going through stuff and at one point they had to kidnap the the players and they they're evil people and they put them through um torture scenes and nightmares and stuff like that that they that they experience okay. that are with the idea that they're supposed to be seeing their true selves and I pulled each player into the next room and I told them some of the things that they saw tailored to what the characters that they were. And in some of those, I distinctly modified everything that I wanted to put that I put like 
that there were traitors, that there was someone you were going to see that was changing. That was it was mm-hmm. major like actual revelations to the whole story, but they didn't know that at the time, right? And then mm. later on, so it's just all it was was just sprinkling in these little things through lines in a in a story that seemed just a dungeon crawl, just an episodic type thing. And then later on, when they these big reveals happen, they can piece back to all those other times and say. Oh yeah, I remember that. I had that dream. I did that. Okay. And it feels like all of a sudden it makes you feel like you're watching this show, like you're playing that game that like all of this was worth it. All of the things that we did right. before this was all was like meant to be, right? Um and, and that you were and this was and it makes me look super smart because it makes oh it was all planned, which, you know, it not always is. Um, right, but right. and that's what they do with discoveries that they're just sprinkling in these the sphere things. That's all this other stuff is really cool and fun, and we love it, and it's the meat of the story. But you know, we're still giving you a little, little sprinkle of what's important with Spock. And I know yeah. that you guys, uh, you guys are too busy drinking and making mom jokes to pay attention <laughs> to this. But the <laughs> Star Trek Adventures Living Campaign is doing that as well. I can't take credit for that because I didn't write it. I'm just. Oh, are they? It. Are, you, but, did you uh, have you read? You read enough ahead to know that I skipped. Things? I read ahead because, like, they're you know they they come out every couple months. So the people who started when they started publishing it, you know, the their GMs didn't know either, and so it's just uh, everybody, um, everybody finds out finds out together, sort of thing. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, I when I heard that, I listened to. Um, a podcast of some people playing it and interview they interview they got to interview one of the writers and uh and the writer was like yeah by this point there are probably enough clues sprinkled in that you could be getting a hint of what uh what's coming and i'm like where we're going wait what and (laughs) uh and so i yeah i read ahead and i was like okay okay so i need to be i need to be aware of that stuff so that i can be dropping hints yeah, that's, that's difficult because you are playing these pre-planned things is that you don't know the plan, right? right. Even as a DM, right? All right, all right. So we, I gotta say, we have spent a third of our show on 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 Star Trek again. Which last week we made a comment that we didn't speak at all at Star Trek, so we've made up for it officially. Yes, we gotta we gotta balance it out. There was no <laughs> Orville this week, so Discovery got Orville's uh, 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 time. It did, but you know what? Um, it, it was worth it. This was worth quota. it. If if you're I, I know if you're a non-Trek fan, you've already skipped past this part. So set the <laughs> set the little set the little marker, Dennis, five minutes before this, and say that if you're not a Star Trek fan, Discovery is a, a great show to jump onto, and it is doing all the right things. And it's because of the writers, somewhat the actors, because they're great actors, but the writing is just so good. So yeah, good. it's all very good. Okay, very so good. let's do our uh, challenge. Let's talk our challenge before we lose a track. All right, let's do, let's that. do this. Okay, so this week's challenge, we had um, the movie with Joaquin Phoenix call, and Scarlett Johansson called Her. Her. It's a Spike Jones joint yes. or whatever. Uh, um, it, it is interesting because Scarlett Johansson is well known for her attractiveness and her looks. And this is a show where she does not do, show herself at all. Um, and she and actually does fan. She's the best part about the show, actually. I noticed immediately because when she first starts talking, her her voice cracks. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was it was interesting to me that um, 
they got a an actress to do this part who is not um what's the word I'm looking for? She's not so much of a voice actor. Like um my family and I just a couple days ago rewatched um well, I rewatched so several of them watched for the first time. Stranger than fiction. Okay. Have you seen that? I have I don't think I have. Um it's uh it's Will Farrell, Dustin Hoffman, um Wait, what? Really? There's a, there's at least one other person and um Emma Thompson. Oh, well, Will Farrell? Okay. Yes. Uh the premise is Emma Thompson is a successful author. She's writing a story and Will Farrell is her main character. And he's oh, real. I have seen this. I have, have seen, seen this. This. Yeah. this is that. That was an interesting show. It's the only one that Will Ferrell, I think, that I can think of. That it was like a serious show that he did. There are probably others, but yeah, okay. it's like it's That's his Groundhog one. Day. No, yeah, yeah. I watched one of his where it's just like a. It takes place over a weekend where like his wife kicks him out of the house and he lives in his front lawn for a few days. Oh. That was a random Netflix thing. Well, but yeah. So Stranger Than Fiction. I, I I could Stranger I, Than now Fiction. I remember. He, he starts. He's live. He's just living one of his days, and he starts hearing Emma Thompson narrate his life. Yes, and I want to watch that show again. She's English, and she's narrating as a writer. So the 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 uh, stuff that she's saying is all very, um, like high prose kind yeah. of writing with you know extensive vocabulary and all that stuff. Um, and so something that was interesting in this movie is that they they pick Scarlett Johansson and she talks very casually, very conversationally, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of emphasize this um, this this idea that you're supposed to get of thinking that she's real or uh, I guess that's a little you you're putting you're putting human projecting I'm, human I'm anthropomorphizing, qualities on yes, machine, it's, yes. Anthropomorphizing. Which is anthropomorphizing that's even the word which is yeah. the whole theme of this movie yes anthropomorphication that's a word that's that's the theme of this right Anth- you're putting you're projecting a human qualities on a different object yeah anthropomorphizing right um anthropomorphism whatever yeah yeah uh, and and because scarlett johansson is the voice, and she does do a good job of it, you do that pretty quickly, right? Or at least I did. Well, yeah, and it's and it's well executed. Um, you know, you go into the movie, and this guy, uh, old Leonard Hofstetter, yeah. is... Yes, uh, yes, totally. <laughs> totally, right, right. yes, 100%. Uh, Wa- Joaquin Phoenix is... He's working as a... Uh, um, Violet Evergarden style letter writer. Weird, right? But true. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, personalized Hallmark card writer. Right. And so you get this like awkwardly close shot of him in the in the very opening of the film composing a love letter and you're like, "What's going on with this guy's life?" and then it turns out to, you know, just be him writing a letter for somebody else, um which is a fascinating concept. It's just as compelling to me as it was when we watched Violet Evergarden. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a sort of male version of the uh, Echo person or the Apple person, neither of whose names I want to say at the risk of triggering somebody's device. <laughs> um, 
And they even joke about it later when he's playing the video game and he asks her to read the email. He says it the way that you would talk to Alexa. And, damn it. (laughs) Hey, Alexa, Dennis said hi. I'm wearing (laughs) headphones. She can't hear you, but she can (laughs) hear me. She can hear me over here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's the other reason I don't, I don't name the devices by name. Um, <laughs> he tells her to read email and she starts doing it in this fake, uh, robot voice, right? She's right. like reading email for, you know, and he laughs. It's a whole, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole bit. And so they establish what the level of, uh, voice assistant technology is in the world, in the, in the movie. Yeah. And so and so then when she starts talking it's so conversational, it's so intimate um that you're immediately as disoriented as the main character. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean I I talked I was telling Libby that I thought that um Scarlett Johansson's voice is something that's I I like her voice almost as much as I like her physical looks. I mean, I know that's I don't want to. I don't want to say this, that as a. It sounds very chauvinistic. Type. This is a, this is a, this thing is a family say. podcast, Mike. What? What? Yes, I don't mean. I mean, attractive. <laughs> no, I get what you're She's saying. very attractive woman, and and she gets a lot of credit for her attractiveness and her acting and all the other stuff. Maybe not her acting, but her voice is so unique and really interesting, sure. and the way she speaks yeah. is so neat. And and this one, you're right. You said her voice cracks, and the way she speaks is is just a really good. I mean, attractive. How many it. how many times in this movie I mean this is a movie all about verbal communication really yeah. I mean you can watch most of the show without watching it there, there's this whole subtext of of relationships and and AI which is the big picture but this this story is told through verbal communication and yeah. there are so many times where one of them either Joaquin Phoenix or Scarlett Johansson respond to something in a way that says more than they say, right? Which is, is how people communicate all the time. You're like, you know, oh, how's it going? I'm fine, right? Yeah, like, right. Oh, you don't sound fine, right? Because yeah. people, humans, in their day-to-day interaction, don't say what they mean all the time. Yeah, and they, and they lean heavily on that in the show. Yeah, right? there's so many times where one of them hesitates or makes it and they're like uh, he calls no, it out it's, right it's, he calls out her breathing sigh it's silly i don't want to you know constantly just constantly um i i pushed this off until the last minute because unlike the other movies that we've watched in this challenge this was one that i was fairly certain i did not want to watch with my family and that mm-hmm. turned out to be a good call yeah that is a good call here yeah. um if you're still listening and have not seen this uh, which you shouldn't be, but if you are, um, this one's not uh, not family. It's not kid safe. Not, not yeah. They, safe. they 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 don't shy. They they really didn't need to, but they did not shy away from the the hardcoreness of yeah. It. There's there's very literal phone sex. Yeah. There's there, not um, only that. There's also like uh, three way kind of sex ish type stuff. Yep, yep. So it's yeah. It it gets. And I know that's a thing, but I don't. I, I'll, I'll I'll be honest and say that I don't think that that furthered the story. I think the the surrogate lover part was an a really interesting thing, but it, I don't know. Hey, so 
let, let's it's step just back. A, just an interesting chapter. So what I wanted to say with that is that I got about maybe halfway through this movie, and I put it off to the last minute. So I was watching it last night in bed on my iPad, and um, it's. I don't want to say that it's slow because that's disparaging. Mm-hmm. It's it has a relaxed pace, which is just a pretentious way of saying that it's slow. But it got to a point where it felt slow to me, and I was struggling to stay focused on it. Yeah, um, it's it's not it's there's no like quick moments at all that or grab yeah. your attention moments. There's no big any action and any of that stuff. Well, um, not even action. So, there's just no big points there's not like big points that happen yeah there's not a lot of big mind-blowing stuff it's just very um atmospheric measured sort of like oh yeah okay but none of it is like gets your adrenaline going and so i got up and and went over to my computer and started sort of multitasking but in a way that i was fully focused on the the um the sound like the the conversation and all of that yeah. stuff but was not seeing stuff that was happening because a lot of it uh you know when i would glance down whatever you didn't need to see like he's talking and so you see him but she's not there and so there's no visible component to their communication it's just it's just the words. It's just the verbal communication. So the, the, now there's for, only one part that I would disagree with that is that when he sees flashbacks of his wife, that's the only part I think that you actually do visibly need to see something mm. like because it's important when he has feelings that the director does quick flashes to where he's falling in love and how his connection his relationship with his, with his wife and why he feels what he does. Um, about her and that that is kind of very important like it makes it sets up the entire why he is who he is and why he has his feelings that he does sure so i mean i just that was just a rebuttal to the audio thing because i agree i think most 90 percent well maybe 80 percent of the show you could watch (laughs) just listening to it but for those few scenes they they i was thinking as i was watching them is that he they had to have just shot a ton of just those two, the actor and actress, just kissing and and doing nothing but talking and having fun and smiling and like a hundred scenes of them just doing that all over the place, <laughs> right? And because they just kept yeah. flashing to it, uh, which is an awkward thing. Okay, we're gonna go down here and we're gonna just smile and kiss and talk, right? Right, right. But so I w- I want to say I don't want to spend a lot of time on this this thing because I think that we're on the same page here, but I'm. I, I, we've been pretty positive on this show so far, as far about this show. I'm not a big fan of it. And, and I will just say, because it felt very, very depressing. Um, sure. and that's, it doesn't that's okay. fit with your, it doesn't fit with your personal taste. Yeah. And, and that's okay. I, I'm, I like stretching outside of my box and my, my comfort zone there, but, but it wasn't just that it was just depressing. Most of the show felt very uncomfortable. Like I just mm. felt in a very uncomfortable place. So, so the the best parts of the show was where I felt like a little bit of okay, I'm I'm all right. Things are normal. That's the only the best parts of the show was when I felt like okay, he's accepted for having an OS girlfriend. Okay, whew, all right, that's sure. Fine. 
Everything sure. else is super awkward and uncomfortable. His his conversations, the sex stuff that happens all the time throughout the whole show, <laughs> the fact that he's dating an OS when he tells it to his coworkers, to his girlfriend, mean, to his girlfriend, to his friend. Everything is awkward and uncomfortable the whole time. Right. Which I'm sure a lot of people really, really liked, and that's a part about it. But, man, I just didn't like watching a show where I felt uncomfortable and, like, <laughs> ugh, this sucks. Oh, my God. Like, get me out of the uncomfortable situation. Right. Right. I had a little bit of that as well. And it was sort of um, sort of coincidental that we had just watched Stranger Than Fiction because um, if you're listening to this and haven't seen Stranger Than Fiction, skip ahead a little bit. Um they make the point in that when it's revealed uh, who the author is, right? Who the author is that narrate that's narrating his life. Uh, Dustin yep. Hoffman says she she always kills her main character. Like <laughs> yeah, right. her her story is always a beautiful tragedy. Yeah, um, and it's this whole thing where like Dustin Hoffman gives him the 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 checkbox of the pros and cons or whatever to like. Are you in a are you in a comedy or are you in a drama? Are you in a comedy or are you in a tragedy? Yeah. And it's like, well, if it's this and this and like he does all the things, he checks all the boxes and it sure seems like a tragedy, but he's falling in love with the girl and she's falling in love with him. And he's like, no, I think it's a comedy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, great. and then it and then it turns out it's like this, this bill. It's this beautiful story. You know, the again, the beautiful tragedy. It's like. All of these good things happen, and then he dies in this selfless act. It's like a, you know, going out in a burst of flame kind of thing. Which is and, funny because I like that show. I I want to comment to 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 you sitting here listening to me right now. <laughs> I liked that show, and it doesn't have that kind of happy fuzzy feeling, right? Well, it. I mean, it the the movie Stranger Than Fiction does, right? Yes, right. like he he does. He doesn't die in the end. Spoilers, yeah, right. but, but spoiler, uh, right? right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I had a hard time with this movie. Like, I appreciate it. You know, I after we, you and I talked about it in in chat a little bit this morning. Um, you know, it had very good. It had very high reviews in both audiences and critics on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. which. Uh, 94% critics, 82% audiences. And like I said, from a critic perspective, I certainly understand how a movie like this is is enjoyed, is, res- is respected, is given a positive rating. Because it's a yeah, very... Totally. I agree too. It's a very excellently told story um, about very complex and nuanced uh, issues surrounding yes. relationships and for the audience scores like i have to imagine like most people who went and saw this in the audience as in the theater as audience members knew what they were getting into so anybody who was going to be put off by a story about a guy falling in love with a computer we're not going to go see it yes right um it's not like a you know last jedi situation where you go expecting one kind of star wars story and get a different kind of star wars story like if you went to this movie in the theater you knew what you were getting into yeah and um, and, and you know what those, these actors also portrayed for the people watching it like 
what the feelings you expect really well done. It's almost like Joaquin Phoenix and, and Scarlett Johansson have been through these kind of things and they were really portraying those emotions. So I can respect that. Like I, yeah. I, I did when I said uncomfortable, like I've experienced divorce. I've experienced those hard sure. thoughts and, the, and those hard things and, and, or, or breakups even when, when you're like, what's happening, what's going on here. And, and they suck. And the actors did a great job of just even, verbally doing those, right? Yeah, even the even the secondary characters like Amy Adams and her um, husband character when yeah. they're doing the documentary and like he makes a suggestion, he's trying to help, but he clearly has no comprehension of of what she's trying to do. Um, yeah, like that's that's a thing, like. <laughs> Yeah, I've, and, and, I've and been on both sides of that that situation where I'm like, "Hey, what if you uh, do this and this?" And it's like, "No, I don't. I don't need that kind of advice." Like it, and they, and they all portray it so well. I mean, even yeah, uh, they did. They even did. Chris Pratt's uh, um, strange Ron Swanson character is uh, is well done. Yeah. So so I I that we said I agree with the reviews of it. I can see where people can can totally appreciate this thing. Now from just a maybe me personally type thing and um man, maybe Libby would watch this kind of show. Uh was that that I just I mean she, she has this thing about like you don't have to have like a a, a big adventure type thing or a heroic's journey mm. to, the to story, story can be small. Yeah, the story can be small, and 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 I'm like I struggle with that kind of a thing. Um, is that you know I can see where people have have come with this. I totally can appreciate from that thing, but for me, it's very difficult to see that there was. I look back on this and want to watch it again because you know they did a great job of exp- expressing emotions that I absolutely do not want to live through. <laughs> right? Sure. Am I right? Sure. And. At its core, this, I don't know, I kind of want to, I kind of want to explain the ending, but I don't really want to spoil it. I was going to, like, put this past I'll the chapter. Spoil it. So, I mean, we're, we're pressed. So that people can, can pass. But, like, if I spoil the ending, then it's not a, then it's not a recommendation for or against. This is a story about a guy who falls in love with a person quote unquote the like the fact that she's a, uh, an ai a, a what they call it operating system which is weird because that's not what operating system means but um <laughs> you know as a as a computer scientist and 90 um, percent of the movie is just her being a person right 90 percent. right of it she's just another person of some kind just like data just like um irobot just like any other artificial intelligence just like westworld um yeah and she outgrows him, right? Yeah, and which well, humanity, right? And and right, humanity, but for the sake of the story, him. Yeah, and that's a thing that happens in relationships all the time. Yeah, and so that's really what the story is, and the the beautiful tragedy of that is that that thing that characteristic that allows her to outgrow him and to 
sever the relationship is the thing that he most loves about her. Yeah, right. Right? Like, whenever he describes it, he's describing it to Amy Adams or when he's describing it to his ex-wife, he's like, to be with someone who is excited about life, who's who look... He says, I love the way you look at the world. Um, yeah, right. And and that that thing is what ultimately causes the relationship to end. And that's that's the the beauty of the tragedy i guess you, you, i you you said that word like a hundred times in the last 20 minutes and and <laughs> and not until like your last three minutes that i finally actually pick up on it that this is a tragedy right yes. i mean that that is you've again you've said it like 50 times and i'm not in the in the agreed until just now you're right it's a in the 11th tragedy. grade english uh, uh definition a comedy has a happy ending a tragedy has a sad ending but this is a tragedy all the way through. Like For sure. th- there's moments For of sure. brightness, but but it's it's a tra- he's he's got a tragedy with his ex-wife, with his girl that he goes out on a date with, his whole emotional state of his, dealing with a relationship is his a whole, tragedy. His whole life is tragic. Yeah, and well, not his whole life, but at least his relationship <laughs> life, right? Right. His personal life, his professional life, he's very successful, and that's yeah. sort of the explanation like he's He's this guy, kind of lonely, isolated, um, and he channels his, you know, his affectionate part of his personality into his work. And, and, and I will say, as we wrap this up here, I think that uh, uh, the writers did a good job of world building almost a little bit enough that they what, what people love about world building is that they fed you just enough to get you. Your, your interest peaked that you like there's sure. more to this world that I want to know about, but we're not going to tell you about. Um, and like she calls in another OS and has an actual conversation. And that's, that's important for so many reasons. That but, was, but, um, yeah. And it's a, it's a, what is like Star Trek did this a couple times. Like data gets, um, Stephen Hawking and, uh, um, Albert Einstein and Einstein uh, and stuff. Newton, uh, Isaac Newton. Yeah, that actor was uh, the guy who played Stryker in X Men. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, I know the voice now. Yes, okay, I know who that is. I recognized yeah. the voice, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And then I had to look it up. Right. Well, the, they 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 allude to it in the in the last twenty percent maybe of the show is that when they start really expanding upon this world where Amy Adams also gets an OS and then mm-hmm. everybody becomes accepting to the OS when surrogates get brought into the whole thing, it means which means that there's a, a wider world out here where this is accepted. When he starts mentioning he openly that he's in a relationship with an OS because it's it it is a thing in the world. Right. Um so so that that's that's a good thing that the writers did is that they brought this they this just sort of and they sort of skip past the cultural taboo phase that would most certainly happen in the real world if this were yes. a real thing like yes. it would it would take almost an entire generation before relationships with AIs would become acceptable yeah. right in the real world but of in this movie world they're just like yeah they did this you know whatever company did this AI is so um is so good that people are falling in love with it and that's fine. Like that's not, 
that part of it, the like social outcast part of it, was not the story he was trying to tell. Well, I I, I would say though, in in our world, man, this is the kind of the subject I didn't want to get into. In our world, <laughs> if that level of an OS was was dropped in in Microsoft Windows eleven, is is that <laughs> that that would quickly happen? I mean, that would quickly happen if. Or Apple. Let's just say Apple, that their next version of Siri or Google Alexa, Alexa is a perfect example. Is that is that you? If that became that level of intimacy immediately, and it's already in, you know, sixty percent of the world's or the world's America's, at least North America's and Europe's lives. Yeah, you would. Man, how could you not have a deep connection, if not just a friendship like Amy Adams has? With somebody who is so great. Right. Right? I mean, you absolutely would. And I could see that, like, of the 60% of people that had iPhones or whatever it is that have iOS, you know, all of a sudden, at least half of them are going to have real personal connections with this thing. Yeah. I mean, Scarlett Johansson proved that operating system is totally able to do this kind of a thing. I could see that it being a very quick turnaround on the social stuff that immediately within a month, this starts happening. Right. And then within six months you have real kind of stuff happening and it's a huge major thing. Right. Yeah. I mean the, the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. it's all speculation. So it's hard to say like, I mean, th- that's what was interesting about the show is that, is that they didn't talk about it. They didn't need to talk about it. That wasn't the point of the show. But it made you think about it a little bit. Right, right, right. So, yeah, uh, uh, it's not for me. Hers not for me because it, it just focused as a tragedy. Tragedy is not for me. Focused on negative <laughs> feelings that I don't like. You know, loneliness, sadness. I'll say... Breakups. I'll say, I'll say I, I did not enjoy it, but I didn't think it was bad. Yeah, I appreciated it. Hey, hey, here, can I ask this question as we conclude this topic? Okay. Would you Would you believe that this is a top, in your opinion, a valid top 100 pick? I, I know that I'm always, and this is, this is a thing, in, in, in all areas of my life, I'm like this in my professional life, too. I'm like, I don't want to commit to that. I don't want to be held to that opinion. <laughs> um, so let's just say... Uh, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have multiple lists. Uh, <laughs> you have 400 top 400. Well, because I just today was listening to uh, last week's show. We talked about Groundhog Day, and I said it's not a it's not a repeat watch, right? It's a okay. It's a once every ten years watch, rewatch okay. maybe. Uh, probably the same thing is true of Shawshank. Um, yeah. and, and next week's one will be that way, same way. I think this is a movie that if if the premise interests you at all and even even setting aside the premise being a guy falls in love with a computer even if you're if you don't really care about that but you're interested in seeing a story about a relationship that doesn't that doesn't end happily ever after um, of a tragic relationship, it's probably worth seeing once. Yeah, I almost would agree with that. I mean, I hate that I went through that experience of watching this show and feeling those feelings. <laughs> B- 
But especially us talking about it tonight, I can agree with that. I, I will say that I don't think it belongs in my personal top 100. I think there's a, there's a couple shows that I would I can't say right now because we've not watched the shows. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I think there's several shows that I personally would like that would would replace her on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's again not to say it's not a, a, a top 100 for some people, but for me, it's 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 not. It's it's a good show that I appreciated that I watched it. I did not feel like I wasted time at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not not top 100 for me. Sure. Uh, so okay. So what what do we got going on next week? We're we're going back to our normal schedule, right? Because we don't have any holidays uh, or anything. Yeah. Next up is uh, Schindler's List. Oh man. Yes. yes. Wait. We we went from double love story, the Notebook, and and Groundhog her. Day. Oh oh, love story. Yeah. Notebook yeah, yeah. And, and, and Notebook and her. And I don't know. Look, Groundhog's Day was kind of a love story too. It right? was. It, it was. It it definitely had a love in story. Its, it was in the, its own weird point. way. Yeah, um, and then we now we're going into this. There's ba- I don't think there's any love story happening here. B- back to back tragedy. This is this is tragedy. When I hope we have something super fun after this. Um, okay, so here we go. Nazi Nazis and Jews and <laughs> whew. the uh, huff, huff. the pick after that in the normal schedule is Mary and Max, which is a uh, uh, animated clay thing. Okay, yeah, that that already sounds better or uh, uplifting. So, not not better. Schindler's List is freaking amazing. So yeah, I'm not saying that. Sure, right. Okay, so um, Dennis, do not start watching this show at eleven o'clock at night Sunday. I will. I'll say that much. <laughs> uh, this this is not one of those. We got to watch nuances of this show. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Okay, so here we go. Let's do this, guys. Schindler's List. This is. Uh, I will say for some people, this could be top ten, right? Yeah. This is a. Okay. This is a classic. Yeah. How old is this movie? Nineties. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I think I think it's nineties. So it's it classic is applicable. All right. So Ugh, let's talk about something happier. We Ugh. got about. See, I got, got about depressed on that one. Twenty minutes here. Um, do you want to talk about some trailers? Yeah, let's do trailer trash. In a world. All right, what do you got? Oh man, so there's been some good ones. I I I, I want to here. I'm going to throw out a couple, and then you pick what we want to talk about that have happened. Um, okay. So I am looking forward to a movie called Alita: Battle Angel because it's me. Um, <laughs> and the tra- the trailers have been the trailers for that show have been uh, like sparking my interest super hardcore. And that's that's what that that's I, I'd like to talk a little just quickly about like how that movie that how trailers are making me want to watch that show. Speaking uh, of Story, main characters who are AIs, oh, uh, yeah, right, right. right. Um, Toy Story four came out with a Super Bowl spot. Only they're only feeding us little thirty second spots here. So if we run over that real quick about how like limited trailers can also entice you. Sure. Um, Oh, there's a little bit more with uh, the Avengers, which I almost don't want to watch any more at all. But it's that kind of like expectation of thing. We've talked about this before where like if I know I'm going to watch a thing, like do I really want to see every trailer and like mess with my expectations? Yeah, that that's something about Endgame to talk about. And then the last one that I kind of went through was, um, man, I groaned at watching even seeing this thing on my list here, my trailer list on Apple's movies. Uh, what? But when I watched it, ugh, I got super excited. Was Shaft? 
Hmm. I know. Don't judge me. No judgment. But Shaft is like I want to watch it so bad. Now. <laughs> okay, so you you brought up all the things. Let's let's do last yes. first here because okay, um, sure. A couple of days ago, uh, my brother Andrew, who we've had on the show, he's uh, yeah, yep. I think he's like twenty two or three now. I, that's a thing I should know, but I don't. Um, <laughs> it's important that everyone knows Andrew's age here because wait, it's it's, it's two thousand nineteen. He was born in. 95 so he's gonna be 24 <laughs> this year you know he's, he's I'm, gonna to, I'm, I'm gonna have to razz him about that he graduated i mean he he was born a year after i graduated a year after that's crazy okay Man, go ahead. you're old i am old <laughs> anyway so so he comes up to me um in the kitchen making food and he says he says have you seen the trailer for this uh samuel L. jackson movie shaft jackson. perfect and, casting. and i said i said shaft the the remake and he's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, isn't that kind of old? And he's like, I don't know. He's like a black James Bond. And I'm like. Because <laughs> he got that from the trailer. Okay. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he got it from the trailer. I'm like, that. I'm like, oh, maybe it's a remake of the remake. And then he shows me the trailer. And I'm like, oh, it's a sequel to the remake. Because yeah. the original, which, to be fair, I never saw. But I yeah. was aware of it from pop culture. Uh, you know, it was a TV show, what, in the 70s? Had to be in the 70s. Yeah, it had to be at least. Yeah, for sure. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, Shaft is that iconic uh, black exploitation TV show when people talk about the uh, what what we call the Waka Chicka music. I mean, come on. It starts off with a Waka Chicka, Waka Chicka, Waka Chicka, Waka Chicka. Right? <laughs> um, and, but, like, he, you know, being younger, had no... Had no concept of it, and the the original, the remake, is from two thousand, right? Like he was yeah. five. <laughs> yeah. So, so of course he was. I never saw it, but I was yep, aware yep. of it because it was a thing. It was that you know, two thousand. That whole, at least the whole first half, maybe the whole decade, people were constantly adapting old TV shows into movies. Charlie's Angels, yep. uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh. Get Good smart, yeah. right? How so, do we not have a, a chips yet? <laughs> right, right. Uh, the you know the first the first Abrams Star Trek movie came out in two thousand nine. I'm like, amazed that there's there was not so an much A team remake. What is why have they not got on the A team yet? Oh, come on. Mm. Okay, okay. Pro- so, probably so some chef. probably some legality rights thing. Sure, but sure, yeah, sure. That that looks cool. So what else have we got here? Um, well, well, hey, what I want to mention. Richard Roundtree, the original Shaft, is in that movie. Right. And his son is Sam Jackson. And then they've got his grandson. Oh, my God. Watch the trailer, guys. <laughs> Friggin' like, cool and awesome, along with comedy. Yeah. 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 Love we'll we'll right, link right. these in the show notes. Yeah. When Andrew and I yeah. watch the trailer and the grandpa character shows up at the end, he's like, so is that the original guy? I'm like, I don't know. I never saw it, but probably. Yeah. Like, totally. That's, that's I mean, obvious, how good uh, was that? That's the obvious pick. Um, did you see the Aladdin trailer? That's fairly new. Oh, yeah, Aladdin. Urgh, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's disconcerting. I don't... H- uh, how do you feel about the Disney like live-action things they've been doing since like Cinderella and Maleficent? And how do you I feel mean, like those overall? A lot of those I've not seen, right? Because they're Beauty kid and movies, the and I've not seen Beauty and the Beast. I was in a room where Cinderella was on the one with okay. uh, Lily James mm-hmm. and it's it the 
like the bits of it that I saw that I noticed felt very Willy Wonka, right? And of course, that's Cinderella. Okay. Like, yeah, there are kind of, some kind of extraordinary things that happen in that story with a pumpkin turning into a carriage and all of that stuff. But I was like, man, this is this is nightmare inducing. Some of this. I, I want to say my my vote for best live action Cinderella was the Drew Barrymore Ever After. That was that was. <laughs> I liked it. Shut your mouth. You, you didn't. You didn't like you, the. You didn't like the Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, musical, whatever mo- movie version with all the songs. Um, so the only one of these that I can think of that I've actively watched was Jungle Book, and I think I've said this in the. I've said this on the show before, but I saw this at the drive-in because I lived okay. about a half an hour away from one of the last drive-ins. I yep, say yep. that they're probably a, same here. A few hundred of them. Um, and the picture was too dark, right? And oh, so, yeah, yeah. Probably so there were a lot of things where I'm sometimes. like, I'm like, I'll bet I could appreciate this more if it were appropriately lit. But yeah, um, I found it very unsettling to watch Jungle Book with realistic looking animals, right? Um, it's a sort sure. of thing where I recently watched Mowgli, by the way, just similar. Yeah, um, it's the kind of thing where contrary to maybe what you would expect um 2d animation has more freedom than than 3d like because a live action jungle book is really just or like what did we say lion king it's really just it's pixar it's 3d animation it just is so good that it's photorealistic like there are no live action animals talking, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you're doing something with 3D animation, there are a lot of things you can do, right? You can make stuff fly. You can do things with a camera that a physical camera couldn't do, weighed by gravity and all that stuff. Um, yep. But there are still severe limits, Um in the way that things move, in the way that um, whatever shapes are presented and implied, like 3D animation is still bound to the physical 3D space in its, uh, you know, in its rules, in its physics, in its lighting, all of that stuff. Right. When you move, if you move back into 2D animation, there's actually a lot more freedom there. And so, you know, again, going back to Jungle Book, um, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to see a cartoon boy, a 2D animated boy, and a 2D animated bear, because the bear is kind of jolly and goofy, like, hang out over an afternoon and sing a song. You do that same scene with a real actor for the boy, and a computer generated bear with Bill Murray's facial expressions and like actual, not actual cause it's still computer generated, but realistic looking eyes, nose, teeth, hair, like top, a bear. top to bottom looks like a real bear with human facial expressions. And it's just unsettling. Yeah. I mean, you hit that uncanny Valley almost a little bit. Yeah. And it's not even the, when people first started talking about Uncanny Valley, it was this, like, 
it looks almost real, but as it gets closer to looking real, it looks more and more, uh, it's more and more unsettling. It's more and more uncanny. This was like, there was nothing about the bear that looked fake, except maybe the facial expressions. What was unsettling is now you've got a little boy playing with a bear, like... Yeah, a mean-looking bear. A mean-looking bear that could, like, just kill him in a second. It was just... Which which we're all trained to believe that that's what happens. They're wild animals, like, they have survival instincts, that's how they work. But, yeah, so, uh, we we got lost in the weeds here a little bit. Um, Kind of the same thing with Aladdin. I don't know, we'll see. Will Smith is a funny guy. If he has good writing, I won't say that he could match Robin Williams, but he could be entertaining, right? We haven't yeah, seen that, we haven't seen Will Smith be funny in a while. I don't feel like we, we haven't. I th- I think that uh, that's what people are getting from this trailer, and what we're obviously talking about at some length is is that we're getting to the point to talk about Will Smith and 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 the genie. Because they showed the genie, and I know this was a huge gamble for Disney to do, is to show him. They put him at the very end for that very reason. Mm-hmm. And it's getting all sorts of really mixed, I mean, I don't even <laughs> want to say mixed, like not necessarily positive, but just weird reviews. And that's that's kind of how I'm putting it, too, is that like it feels really, first off, the genie is kind of muscular, and he's like a wrestler-sized mus- muscular and it's Will Smith being a big wrestler guy, which is just looks weird, but sometimes made kind of fat. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, so it just feels really weird. And then he's joking, like you. I don't even know what to think. Uh, so they don't they don't show a whole lot of anything. I mean, else. he's got to be see, joking. The genius funny. Yeah, I mean, you see, uh, was Iago, and you see Apu. Um, you see the 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 monkey and the bird and Jafar. You, you see all the and Jasmine. You get to see all the characters, which is kind of good quickly. But really, it's that reveal of the genie that's like, oh wow, what is this show that we're going to watch? That's what everybody's guess, waiting for because the genie is what made Aladdin. The, it it the original. really is. Yeah, it really is. It's Robin um, Williams. So what what's what's going to happen here? Oh, I don't know. It it could it could be. It could be great. Who knows, right? <laughs> it, but it it could also be the all right. We're just going to watch this until Lion King comes out because the Lion King is going to be the one that's going to be like like you said. There's no human person in that one, it's, right? It it'll right. be all animals, yeah. And and that one will be probably great. And it'll come after this Aladdin, and it'll be like, hey, look, just like the the original did. And be propelled forward from it. Yeah, so. or something to hold us over until Toy Story 4, because in a lot of no, ways... No, Toy Story 4 comes out before this. Oh, does it? comes it? out this summer. Yeah, it comes out right. this summer. Right. So there's Toy Story 4, super short, short, 32nd, that doesn't show too much new. No. Yeah. But the two new characters are a riot it, already. It doesn't really matter. Like, Pixar's highest grossing film is Incredibles 2, and that wasn't even really that great. Like... The original Toy Story made Pixar and, to a certain extent, saved Disney. Like that was the what? what? That was the start on the. You thought Disney was going downhill at that point? Well, this is this is a whole thing. 
<laughs> which we don't so, need to get into. So but. my family and I watched the documentary that's on Netflix, um, the Pixar story. It was made in like '09, sure. so it was made before Pixar had ever made a flop, like before they made Cars two and three, or The Good Dinosaur, or I had at least one more in that list. I'm drawing a blank. Um, it tells the whole story of how the guy whose name I can't remember was, uh, he got hired at, as an animator at Disney and he wanted to make a computer graphic, uh, um, brave little toaster. Okay. And when the execs found out that it was not going to save them any time or money, but was basically going to cost the same, he was like, there's no point in this. It's this weird, like, uh, technophobic attitude toward yeah. computer animation, but um, they they you know they he split off and started his own company that was it was for a while part of Lucas Arts, right? And okay. then and then they did their own thing, and Steve Jobs invested in them. Right. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was Steve Jobs, which is a weird thing about that. This he is, he was he was the money, right? Like he he spent something like five or more years, basically losing like a million dollars a year, um, while Pixar was trying to get off the ground, and then when when they got acquired by Disney, you know, he made tens of millions, right? Yeah. Um, uh, um, Steve Jobs, like Walt Disney, had a long view of things. But okay. um, in this story, they're sharing this like Toy Story was massive, right? Like, sure. It was a great story. Great. I mean, you got Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, like top to bottom success. And then, Ugh, okay. and then people, people were like, well, can they can they do it again right like there are so many one-hit wonders in music entertainment and especially in business like they have one good success and then their mindset shifts well then they did a bug's life which was it wasn't as good as toy story but it was still a huge success and they did um what monsters inc finding nemo like they had a string their first string of like six movies were all huge and at the same time that they were doing that everything coming out of disney was like middling at best yeah right okay so like i I, want to go ahead their last big things had been like um lion king aladdin beauty and the beast all that stuff was in the 90s right toy story came out in 95 95 yeah yeah and then in that time in between disney put out like bambi 2 like the best the best disney movies in that in that pixar heyday were like hercules and emperor's new groove and maybe mulan all of which are like they're like in somebody's top 50 not in their top 10 Right. So so I I've, I've got the list here in front of me and, and it's 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 worth noting how some of these things happened. So you, you you did have the Little Mermaid 
was starting in 89 and then you had the beauty and the beast two years later and you had aladdin the next year falling right off and then the next year after that the nightmare before christmas and the next year after that the lion king and for for a lot of people that is like the huge hot streak of disney happened it's the right silver there. age yeah right that's that's the the big one and then you had okay something that was kind of like a little middling which is pocahontas which pocahontas. was the following year sure when and they t- follow when they told a historic it. story and and just completely ignored historical accuracy, right? Yeah. And and not to mention it, just the story and the music and everything was only okay. Like exactly. you said, meh. Um, again, this is all debatable depending on your taste. But for sure. the most part, we would say Pocahontas was only a middling show. Mm-hmm. And then you hit bam, in the same year Pocahontas hit. That's when Toy Story came out, which yeah. was a huge success. People were like, "Oh, Pocahontas was." Uh. Um, but we've got all these great Disney things and Toy Story, which is like, here we go. Try this. Uh, and then for the next, like, say, 10 years, just as you mentioned, you have Disney animation itself only doing middling and mediocre stuff while Toy Story, while Pixar continues their streak and just kind of hands off. You have Hercules followed up. Or, sorry, I should not point after Toy Story was The Hunchback of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. which was no, meh no, no, at no, best. No. Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. I mean, all of those are just, I mean, they've got positives about them, but they're, they're no Toy Story or Toy Story 2. I mean, the stuff. best thing about Tarzan was the soundtrack. Yeah, by Phil Collins, right? Yeah. You get, uh, so, you get so, Phil so, Collins yeah, with, with just a tiny bit of InSync. <laughs> right. So you, you have a little, you have you have Toy Story, and then you come back with another great big Pixar hit, Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. after all these middling stories, Pixar once again proving that, like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. Uh, so Disney answers with what? Dinosaur, The Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, and you're like, ugh, right? It's just not I mean, happening. I really, I know that, I know that you don't like Emperor's New Groove. Um yeah. You and Pete are big fans of that. I really do. I mean, you got David Spade and Patrick Warburton. Like, you, you can't go wrong with that. But it's no, um, it's no Lion King. It's no Beauty and the Beast, right? right. Like, it's still, it still wasn't hitting. It still Dis- wasn't. Disney back. was going through this whole era of like outsourcing stuff, right? Like, yeah, they they hired Pixar to make Toy Story. Um, and it made them a lot of money, but it wasn't their movie. And so I don't know, you know, I don't know the history of what was going on with with Roy Disney and all that stuff at the time, like this complicated uh, whatever. But like, you know, Disney is still huge. Um, and I believe that part of that is because of Pixar. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I Pixar mean, has had a just, couple we're, of we're flops, but... But easily 70% of their movies were blockbuster hits, like massive successes, stuff like Inside Out. And, you know, I mentioned well, Monsters, they, they, Inc. They just, they just struck when Disney Animation Studios were on their definite downswing. And yeah. again, thankfully for Disney, they, they acquired them. They partnered with them to make these things. And then they acquired them. Like, that's the way to go. And if you can't do it, make sure you're a part of the, the other people. So yeah. let's follow that up with, like, after all these string of movies, after Toy Story 2 comes out, and then we got The Emperor's New Crew at the best that it can do, um, Pixar comes out with Monsters, Inc. 
And you're like, oh, okay, so who cares about Disney at this point? They're the stuff. But we start to see a little bit of an upswing with Lilo and Stitch, but still kind of a thing. Um, but we're still on The Incredibles right after that. Pixar. Yeah, that's, Holy that's crap. Pixar. Like, part of what, part of what hurt Incredibles 2 is that the original was so good. Like, in a time when we were... I think we were just just coming into the comic book movie prime maybe yeah. um they did this great thing and and something that you know most people don't really think about or talk about is that the first the first half a dozen Pixar films were all technological marvels like you know like we talk about Lord of the Rings on the show like Things that people thought were impossible, right? Pixar always did. Like, Toy Story. You can't make a feature-length movie that's all computer graphics. That's all computer 3D. 3D computer graphics. And they did it. Right. Uh, In in A Bug's Life, you couldn't do a crowd computer animated. And they did that. Uh, Yep. And Incredibles had, like, five of those things. Right? Like... Right. People. People with hair. People wearing clothes. Yep. People with clothes getting wet and their hair getting wet. Like all of the things, right, that people said you couldn't do. Yeah. All they of did. It. I mean I mean, just I can't even go through this. I mean, <laughs> how Disney how Disney goes through this was when Disney Animation Studios is putting out Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, and Ratatouille. Uh, the Pixar answers with the Incredibles, Cars, and Wally. I mean, right. The, the other ones at best are like, oh, these are nice little things you can take your family yeah. to. The other ones are these are things you must have seen in your life. Every everything Pixar was putting out was on somebody's top one hundred. Right. All right, let's. Uh, All right, that's a lot, but we went there. There, that was that was the Aladdin. I don't know how we got back to Aladdin with that, but. Yeah, we were talking about trailers, but um, all right, man, we've like overloaded this stuff. We're, we're, yeah, we got this. We, we had a couple of short shows, so we went long this time. But you have been listening to the front porch. This is episode seventy-seven. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. If you like movies and news about movies, check them out. Uh, if you like Star Trek role playing or Star Trek role playing, and don't mind awkward, not safe for work humor, check out our other show, Klingons and Dragons. Dot com. If you have questions, comments, feedback, you're playing along with us on our 2020 challenge, you can email us frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we've got contact forms, uh, show notes, all that good stuff. You can see the schedule for the 2020 challenge as we shuffle the movies around. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are found. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a review, we appreciate that. Thanks as always for joining us, and until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael for the front porch. Hi guys. See you next time.